Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. The following is a production of Dirty Mo Media. Welcome to the Dale Jr. Download. It is yours truly, Kelly Earnhardt Miller. This is actually a little bit uh, different segment, the business of motorsports. This is something that I have I've wanted to do with you for a long time. Do business-related podcasts. Do business-related episodes. Open chats, right? Open chats about the business concerns of our industry, which there are many. I hope this um, series opens people up to the, the broader, bigger picture. All right, welcome to the Dell Jr. Download, coming to you from the Bojangles studio. This is the second part of a new series called The Business of Motorsports. I'm your host, Kelly Earnhardt Miller, CEO of Dell Jr.'s Companies, and with me today is the awesome Mike Davis, president of Dirty Mo Media. How are you doing, Kelly? I'm good. How are I'm, you today? I'm excited that we're doing the second installment of this series. That We got a great reception of this thing the first time, right? We sure did. Um, you know, these conversations that we're having about the business of motorsports um, and, you know, our first guest, Steve Loletta, talking about just kind of uh, the track, I mean, the the team operations and this the business of NASCAR and, and how it relates to the team and the startup of uh, 2311, right? So, yeah. Um, the, yeah. We learn a lot. Like, yeah. listen, we do this to educate ourselves, and then hopefully uh, race fans can and people that listen to Dirty Mode Media can educate themselves as well. But, like, we're having conversations with, with business influencers that, I don't know, we're comparing notes, taking notes, just what's in their minds, man? Like, how do they approach this stuff? It's a, it's a hard business model that you, you, you racing life <laughs> lifers have decided to, to, to dedicate your entire livelihoods to. So how do y'all make it work? And so we're bringing in people that, uh, you know, can give us some ideas. I love it. I've, I received so many, um, pieces of feedback, you know, I shared with you some of those through email and obviously on social media and just reading all the comments of, of how people loved it. And, you know, one of the things that, um, that, was being said is that it's in layman's terms, right? right? For for you know, you don't need to be a business exec to um, or a motorsports business exec to uh, to to think about what we've got going on and the questions we're asking and the things that we're just really trying to, like you said, uncover, educate ourselves, learn more about, teach more about, educate people, um, so that when we are all taken in and consuming this sport that we all love, that we have this bigger picture. You That's know, right. Of, of how it all works and That's how each right. piece works. And I'm excited about our guest today, Marcus Smith, president um, and CEO of Speedway Motorsports. Wow. You know, we're going to learn a lot about tracks today and, and um, you know, what makes a great racetrack, you know, some of the decision-making process of great racetracks, that fan experience. I'm really excited to get into some of the nuts and bolts of that. I really kind of want to ask him, I hope I have the nerve to ask him some very pointed questions. Like, listen, the RTA certainly has been very public about this whole negotiation and the, the kind of how the pie is sliced. 
in terms of revenue from the, the media rights deal. Well, those negotiations negotiations are happening. We have a guy on our platform, Denny Hamlin, that is very vocal about it from the team side. I just don't get to hear much from the track side. Well, Marcus Smith, I'd like to know, give us the track side advantage of that. And I, I'm not saying sides in terms of, you know, you guys are competing against each other. I'm just saying, give me the perspective from the tracks. You guys get a big chunk of that uh, rights, uh, those media revenues. And so, you know, why is it necessary? What do you do with it, right? Marcus is the only one that I know that can really explain because he operates, God, how many does SMI yeah. operate? Like, Exactly. So, um, you know, our guest segment brought to you by Ally today. That's right. right? Well done. Well done. <laughs> Ally is the um, only reason Marcus is here. Yeah, right? and he is one of our allies. So, you know, we get to uh, uh, talk with Marcus and SMI. They own Atlanta, Bristol, let's count, Charlotte, Dover, Kentucky, Vegas, Nashville, New Hampshire, North Wilkesboro, Sonoma, Texas. I don't even have enough fingers. That's How many 11. That? That's 11? <laughs> right, I ran see. out. Not only that, they also own and operate Performance Racing Network. The radio network. PRN. Yeah. Shout out to Doug Rice. That's right. U.S. The Legend Cars program, U.S. Legend Cars International. His son is operating and running that, right? Yes. Like Marcus's yes. son. So that would be a fun thing to ask him about. And SMI Properties, which is the licensed goods um, okay. piece of the business. So, you know, they operate and, and sell their own souvenirs at all their venues and tracks and so on and so forth. So they, yeah. they do screen printing, all that kind of stuff listen there's also this little racetrack called Wilkesboro that's going to be coming <laughs> up and I don't know if you, you know anybody that listens to the Dell Jr. download might uh, know that there was some influence on this show that uh, I think contributed directly to the fact that we've got an all-star race that's going to be in mid-May and they are doing some robust preparations big time spending we get to ask Marcus about that we also hey if we're on the Dell Jr. download let's ask him about Nashville Fairgrounds while we're at it he's doing a lot of time spending a lot of a time going talking to city councils and mayors and everything I think we need to go ahead and get an update from him on that so like I can't wait this is gonna be a fun conversation yeah it's gonna be super fun I'm super super excited so I yeah. think we should get to it. Let's get to it. Before we do, I want to just say one thing. This is uh, some programming notes for us, if you will. This will be the only download episode this week because Dale is off. And by the time people hear this, I will probably be in the uh, in the Grand Canyon. Awesome. So we're, we're, we're taking the week off. But that's okay because Dirty Mo Media has you covered. Uh, we will have Actions Detrimental and Door Bumper Clear recapping the Bristol Dirt Weekend. We'll have Speed Street looking forward to this weekend's Grand Prix of Long Beach, the IndyCar race. Dirty Mo Doe will preview Sunday's NASCAR race at Martinsville. Obviously, Dirty Mo Live will react to any breaking news. So Dirty Mo Media has you covered. One Dale Jr. download episode this week. That's this right now. And Marcus Smith is in the, in the building. We should get him in to the Bojangle studio. What do you think? We certainly should. Let's, let's do it. So let's welcome our ally, Marcus Smith, to the Bojangle studio. tenured guest on the Dell Jr. Download history. I mean, this has got to be four, five, six appearances. I love it. I love it. means it. we I'm love honored. you. But it'll yeah. be the most important one because you got Kelly here. I know. Not Dell. This will be a first. What a great day. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So what are you it's guys be talking fun. about? 
Well, we were just kind of setting up our day. You know, we just started this Business of Motorsports podcast. Yeah. Um, a series uh, on the Dell Junior Download. And so this is our second episode with you. We talked to Steve Loletta from 2311 a few weeks ago. And, um, you know, really just kind of diving in in, in a layman's term uh, on the business side of our motorsports industry, the one yeah. that we love so much. You know, talking to uh, – it was fun to talk about the – the uh, race operations and owning a team and, you know, obviously going to talk to you today about track ownership and just decision making and, you know, just tr- really trying to give people a, a big picture look, you sure. know, because sure. we love this yeah. sport so much, right? And it's yes. easy to say um, X was bad because of what, but maybe there's all these things that line up behind it to, to make sense of something that somebody can say, oh, well, that wasn't too bad. I realize yeah. what goes into this decision making process, right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I listened to uh, the last one you guys had on with, uh, with Steve. I thought it was really good. And um, and I think uh, I heard Dale say something about um, like diving into the licensing and merchandising world That's right. of NASCAR. Oh, yeah. He wants to do that. <laughs> wow, what a path that would be. Are you coming back for that one? Are you coming oh back? I, uh, you know, I, yeah. we, we could. <laughs> uh, on, on that it's expensive one, education. <laughs> yeah, on, uh, on that one, I think we we better sit down and, and do a lot of pre planning. <laughs> yeah, that yeah uh, that that one is. Why is that such a uh, robust topic know. in this it sport? Is. Why why is the merchandising licensing such a such a thing? Why is mm. Dell even asking for it? Oh, uh, because it's it's such a it's a it's an amazing story. Mm-hmm. I mean the the merchandise uh, world of of the sport. I mean you know it goes back to just selling T-shirts. Then it got to be big money, and then you know who gets what portion of the money. All That's, the stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, all that just, stuff. And yeah, uh, it's really fascinating. It's really fascinating. I, I think it's um, it's a big part of the sport. I mean, I, like the diecast, we we love them, right? You you love the the history to kind of commemorate your your collection and everything, and old T-shirts and hats. Um, I mean, when I was little. Every race I go to, I'd want to get a pin and, <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, you know, put it on my hat. Yeah. And, uh, yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, get a new hat. Hat and, pins. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, those are big. I got a lot of those. I got a lot yeah. of Earnhardt ones of those. <laughs> yeah. That's cool I would hope collect. so. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, it's good fun to stuff. collect that stuff. It is fun. Yeah. It is fun. Well, let's just jump in. So I'm, let's I'm de- ready to Let's jump in. Yeah, jump in. Um, so... Um, you know, I want to start with just kind of learning a little bit about your background, you know, just for the listeners. I know you fairly well and, and know all the great things that you've been doing. Um, but want to talk about, you know, just starting in your dad's company, the growth that you went through, the different positions, and and really talk about how you got to the position that you're in today. Sure, sure. So like my first job? Start. Yeah, just kind start, of. Yeah, start you know, around. and it didn't have to be like detail, but, yeah. but my, my, my curiosity about it is um, – we're both raising 20 some year olds, right? Yes. Both of your children, yes. um, my children. And in, in this world of immediate gratification, my curiosity about it is just looking back, same path for me, looking back through the 25, 30 yeah. years of the roles that you worked in yes. and, and the things you learned. So kind of, kind of that, yes. that, that, that standpoint. I love that because I've been thinking a lot about <laughs> it lately and, um, and having, you know, kids that are out of college or coming out of college and, and it's been hitting me. Like, I feel like I just got here not that long ago and I know y'all do too, but, and, and that kind of goes into this amazing, I feel like just an amazing blessing, an amazing gift that we get to work with 
people for so long. I mean, we've, mm. we've worked around each other, um, and so many people that I work with every day at, at the Speedway business, we've worked around each other for like 20 years, some 30 years. And what a huge, unusual thing. I mean, that doesn't happen, I don't think. Um, so I think that's just such a cool thing. Um, you know, for me, I, I started... Um, when I, when I started working in the summers, I didn't think that I was going to be in the racing business. I just um, thought, you know, I'm, I'm uh, weed eating, <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, uh, painting walls, I'm doing this, this labor, and, and maybe, you know, I'll, I'll go into finance or I'll go into medicine. And I, I had all sorts of ideas. Um, but when I got into racing, it's, it's really kind of this, this time when I fell in love with with um, just the, the smiles that, that fans have when they come to our events. And, you know, that happens when you spend time in front of, of NASCAR fans and, um, you know, monster truck fans and, and our, our dirt track fans and see, you know, that, that this sport, our, our, the, the business that we have is as much theirs as it is ours. And uh, it's because it's a point of passion and, uh, and what a privilege that is. And I think, you know, we have this, uh, you know, duty to be good stewards of the sport. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but of course, I didn't think a lot about um, that stuff early on. I, I just <laughs> thought, you know, everything was bigger than life. When I was coming out of college, I thought, um, you know, Dale Earnhardt was, was intimidating. And I thought that, um, you know, people like Daryl Waltrip and... Um, you know, Kyle Petty and the King, I mean, all these, these amazing superstars, um, were all bigger than life. And, um, you know, these events were, were amazing. And I just got to, um, you know, sort of hold, hold on and, and see what happens. Um, but I, I'm, I remind myself that I didn't have all the experience I had then that I have today. And so, you know, the way that, you know, 25 year old, 26 year old makes decisions today is, is just with that much experience. And, and we're, we have all this benefit of hindsight. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's important for us to remember, like, what was it like again, when I was first starting, you know, and, and uh, how can I uh, help plant some seeds, give some guidance to the younger generation that's, that's now coming behind us. And, you know, make sure we properly pass the torch, um, you know, over time and yeah. give them as much uh, insight as we can. What was your first job, not officially like painting walls or mowing mm -hmm. grass, what was your first job in the business yeah. that actually, where you were now deciding that this is what you were going to be doing with your life? Yeah. You, you finance and, yeah. and, and medicine or anything sure. is now... So I came out of, uh, of college and I started to work at Charlotte Motor Speedway in the sales and marketing department. And I was just kind of a, a first year um, sales associate selling um, souvenir programs, selling um, uh, contingency programs for, you know, back then all the little stickers on the side of the cars, kind of half of them were NASCAR oriented and about half were track oriented. Mm. So, okay. um, I went around and, you know, would call the different companies usually in the, in the uh, like engine, uh, world, anything mechanical. And, uh, you know, if you 
if you give us a sticker and you, you buy a souvenir program ad and then you put up some money, like $2,000, $4,000, that can go to the winner and the second place uh, uh, car. And then I would go to the garage and I'd get, get my, my list of teams that I needed to go visit, <laughs> my list of stickers, and package. And right then, you know, I would, I would sign people up. Do you want to run this, um, uh, you know, Clevite sticker? Do you want to run this, um, not Unical because that was NASCAR, but all the different ones that we would sign up. And, um, you know, you, you talk to the right person at every team and get them a sticker. Or sometimes they'd say, no, we can't do that one because we've got a conflict. But, mm. So that, that was my first job, just selling sponsorships. And I, I was um, pretty good at it. Um, and, you know, I... I, I liked it. I liked working with all the people that I got to work with and, and kept doing that. I'm curious. Um, talk about your relationship with your dad in that time period, yes. growing up under, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, and I know you lost your dad. And, and I I know that my dad and your dad, probably two peas at a pod if I'm going to have to guess. Yeah. But I've got my experience being introduced to the business world underneath my dad, where he wanted me to work, where he didn't want me to work, what he wanted me involved in, and just sort of then that kind of school of hard knocks stuff. Sure. So talk about that a little bit with your dad. I'm real curious to yeah. know how that worked. Yeah, he was, um, wasn't really uh, instructive mm-hmm. as, a, um, as a boss or a mm-hmm. dad. He was sort of uh, led by example. Um, so I worked around, you know, Humpy Wheeler a lot. I was working at the Speedway. My dad's office was in Charlotte, uh, second floor at Town and Country Ford. So, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't see my dad a ton. Yeah. I saw mm-hmm. um, Humpy more, and I saw um, a lady by the name of Jane Allen, mm-hmm. who was um, just phenomenally impactful to me. Um, Jim Duncan, um, and a lot of other you know names that you know that I got to see on a regular basis. And learned by just, I was soaking it up mm-hmm. and just, just love to learn from all these people around me. And, um, you know, but my dad had a great way of, uh, influencing by his actions. And, um, probably one of the coolest things I can tell you, like for me, that, that made a huge impact on me is I was, I was young, uh, newly married, probably like a year out of, out of college. And, uh, my, you know, my, my rent check, uh, was bigger than my, uh, biweekly paycheck. I got out of balance and <laughs> it's a problem. Uh, it was a problem. It was a problem. A and 20 year old uh, mindset. Yeah. I mean, it's a I, problem, but it's not unlike any other no. examples that right, I think right. of. Yeah. Well, and actually it was, so it was a mortgage payment that I had and I lived up here. Um, my wife and I were married early and this, uh, this mortgage check was due and, yeah, you know, everything was tight, and I, um, you know, every every uh, month it was it was just catching up on me, and and I thought I can't believe they loaned me this much money. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like who qualified me for this? It's crazy, and uh, and then so I eventually got up the courage to ask my dad for a raise, and he said, um, "Son, you can have a raise anytime you want. You just need to sell more." <laughs> Isn't that great? And I love it. That's the perfect answer. It really was. It was such a great answer. And I got to tell you, even though, like, it didn't make it easy, mm-hmm. it all it it took a load off of my shoulders. That you know, I, I don't know why. It just it just made me feel really good that my dad was saying, "Go make it happen." Yeah, well, you're in control. 
It's it, like yeah. maybe that's it. Like, yeah. hey, listen, you're in control of that. Yeah. You can actually get a raise. You can yeah. make more money. Yeah. It's up yeah. to you. It's a responsibility. Yeah, and I probably would have felt like a a real loser if he had said, "Sure, you know, he, how much do you need?" Yeah. You know, and and like because that would have just sort of solidified me as you know the boss's son gets you know what right. he what he wants, and that's the typical. Thing that, that you would expect, right. yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, and it was so it was really great that he said, "Go sell more," <laughs> and uh, that was such a, a great kind of realization for me. It made a huge impact on me. I never asked him for a raise after that, wow. and uh, it uh, you know it was really cool to to have that. So yeah, that That's leads awesome. me to want to ask him this question. I've wanted to ask this uh, a, a long time, and it's very simple, Marcus. What is your business philosophy? We're getting to know you right now. <laughs> what is your business philosophy? Boy, um, I mean, it's hard to encapsulate it into one thing, but what, what comes to mind when, when you say that is, you know, uh, my dad always said, do the right thing. Mm. Um, he taught us to inspect what we expect. Um, oh, I love that. Isn't that great? Inspect, say it again. Inspect. Inspect what you expect. Love that. That's solid. Do, do the right thing. Exceed expectations. Um, take care of teammates, um, sell to sell again. Those are, those are things that, you know, we, that just kind of pumps through our blood in the business. And, um, we, we always want to exceed expectations and it doesn't matter who that is. Uh, you know, it's a customer, it's a colleague, it's, um, you know, a vendor. We want to, you know, make a positive impression, um, and the other thing I think about a lot is that uh, when it comes to my my teammates that I work with, um, you know, I want them to go home and have positive stories to tell about from work mm. because, you know, you spend so much time around your coworkers. I mean, in most of your life, if you're working, most of your life, most of your week is spent around your your job. So I really want all my coworkers to feel positive about their job and be able to tell stories around the kitchen table about, you know, good things at work. Um, I feel a, a burden and responsibility that that's, that should be the way it is. Mm. And, uh, and for our fans, they entrust us with time and money. And, you know, you could go lots of other places, but our fans, the ones that come and watch your cars around the track, the ones that take time on television, the ones that come and buy a ticket and, and enjoy, you know, camping, tailgating, watching events. They give us their very precious time and money, and it's our responsibility to deliver, mm -hmm. you know. And, I mean, there's not – you don't get many vacations. I know I, I don't get many vacations, and, um, you know, I want it to be a good one. And, you know, I'm going to take my family or I'm going to spend time with my friends. I want it to be good, and, and that's our um, – our charge as the host of the party to make sure that we're delivering on all those details. Yeah. So speaking of the host of the party, <laughs> owner of we counted eleven uh, speedways, yeah. um, and we we got we have so much to unpack. Mike and I are so excited about this. Right. We just want to unpack a lot of different things, just in terms of uh, you know managing tracks and being that host of the party and talking about the fan experience. So, you know, one of the things, and, and this is just kind of uh, me as a business owner uh, in, in my curiosity is, is, you know, how do you 
do what you just said? How do you get those positive experiences for your employees? Managing these relationships, managing your people, managing thousands of employees across 11 different locations and then the other few businesses that you run as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, you always hear like it's it's all about the people and it really is. Um, I think a, a great manager is also a great coach. I love studying, you know, great business stories, great business leaders, great coaches, uh, you know, the ones that in college coaching, uh, you know, people like Nick Saban uh, create dynasties, not by, you know, luck or ha happenstance. It takes, you know, coaching skill. And I think, um, you know, it's up to us as managers to cultivate great leaders in the company, taking care of people, um, you know, spending time, time is such a huge element. I heard um, James Dobson is somebody I've, I've listened to a lot over the years. He has a, uh, he, he started Focus on the Family, mm -hmm. um, and he always says kids spell love, T-I-M-E, mm -hmm. and I think uh, it's all of us, not just kids, it's humans. We all, um, you know, really have this this connection by the, the time that we spend with other humans. And, so you know, if we spend time with each other, we're going to build more trust. We're going to, um, you know, get a better connection. And I think, you know, for a team, that time is so key and, uh, you know, respect those sorts of things to uh, just build that team. And it goes, you know, from the top to the bottom and, and all around. How, all right, though, how many employees does SMI have? So we have um, about a thousand. Okay, about a thousand. We, yeah. we get yeah. that right. All right, all right. I'll even take. Let's take Junior Motorsports for a second. How many employees do we have here? About a hundred. One hundred and twenty-five. Okay, whether it's one hundred twenty-five employees or a thousand, how do you spend time with them? <laughs> That's true. It's true. So, um, what what I do, and and we we swell up to. We've got about ten thousand event time staff. So. You know, you think, and that's our biggest challenge: is how do we deliver the experience with a lot of temporary, you know, event time yeah. people? And uh, so it starts with our core leadership group, and then our core, call it thousand people that come to work every day. And you know, for me, I I go out to the different properties uh, when it's not race time. We have um, what we started a few years ago called listening tours. And so we spend time with our managers and with the team and uh, just, just hear from people, ask questions, see what's going on, giving everybody a chance to, you know, voice concerns and really encourage, um, you know, them to give us feedback. And we, you know, we really want feedback. Yeah. Let us know. Um, and we've been hearing some great feedback over the, over the years we've been doing this. So, um, that's been fun. Um, I've also enjoyed at times I do sort of a secret shopper uh, deal where I, I go, um, you know, undercover and just, yeah, you do that as well? She, she does all kinds of fun yeah, ideas. Sure. She does. I mean, that she'll hide things in the shop. She'll, she'll you know, you, it's it's a big scavenger hunt some days. I oh, mean, fun. I'm telling you. That she comes up. Yeah. But this, all right, so you're doing secret shopper. You, you're dressing up? Yeah, yeah. A few. Um, so <laughs> we haven't done it in a couple of years, I got to admit, but it's so much fun. Um, each of our general managers will, you know, go undercover, put on some glasses, wear, you know, regular, you know, clothes, no credential, um, book a ticket, book a camping site, 
you know, do the do the whole thing just like we're a, a regular customer and go and experience what it's like to be a fan at one of our other tracks. Mm. So um, that is such oh, awesome. an enlightening thing. And one of the common thing that all of our managers have come back and said is, this is fun. <laughs> like, no That's wonder. Good. Yeah, yeah, isn't that great? <laughs> That's yeah. great. I mean, we learned some things, um, you know, obviously that we can improve, but overall the message has been, this is really cool. You know, I'm, I'm glad that we are kind of re-engaging as fans and we realize that what we're doing is really fun. That kind of uh, leads me into the whole fan experience because, I mean, what you're describing already tells me part of your process about uh, of going through, you know, in, in, in today's world and the changing landscape of how we want to consume things, how we want to experience things as consumers. Um, you know, talk a little bit about that in terms of how you create that experience, what you're looking for, how you define what a good experience is, you know, how you keep up with those, um, you know, that demand from mm-hmm. a consumer and experiencing sure. that at the track. I think it's super important to get on our own two feet and go and, uh, you know, eat our own pizza, if you will. <laughs> um, you got to experience the the property on your own two feet. Um, you, you can't just be in a car or a golf cart. You got to get out there and check it out. And the other thing that's super important is going to a lot of other events. And, ah. you know, I go to a lot of other events, a lot, our, our management team does, and we, um, we want to go and, and see what's happening out in the marketplace and uh, just take it in. So who does it right? Who does customer experience well, even, whether it's even in sports entertainment or even beyond sports entertainment? Well, one of the coolest events that, um, that I go to personally is the Kentucky Derby. Oh, yes. I think they do a great job. Um, you know, props to Churchill Downs for, for what they deliver. It's a, it's a phenomenal experience that, um, you know, is better than I expected it to be, um, different than I expected it to be. You know, you always hear about Millionaire's Row. Well, there's like Millionaire's 10 rows. <laughs> and and then, you know, people, the, the ladies dress up with the dresses and the heels and the big hats. But that's even happening in the grandstand. Oh, yeah. Which is, I thought, 100%. a shock. Amazing, yeah. 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 Um, so there's a little bit of everything there. And it's um, it's just really fun. And I've had a great time the times I've been. Um, would love to go back. Um, I think that's really cool. Yeah. Do you yeah. have an example? I have one that I think just w- when I went there, I'm like, I was taken aback by the customer experience that the, the efforts that they go to. You talk about yours and I'll think yeah. about Disney. Mine. Oh, like, yeah. when yeah. Di- oh, like when I go to like when I'm taking my kids yeah. to Disney. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, yeah. Disney can be a long, exhausting day. We all can agree on that, right? But they go out of their way whether it's in the hotels, whether it's in the theme parks, whether it's in the yeah. restaurants, in the lines. Like like one of the things that, you know, I went to Disney as a kid, you know, once or twice maybe. Then when I go back, I can see so much efforts and improvements in the customer experience. For instance, if you have a ride that's in a long line, they created playgrounds and things for for your kids who are the most impatient people and the ones that are going to dictate if you actually are having a fun time or not. (laughs) So while you're in line, they're entertaining you. They're entertaining you, and it doesn't feel like a line, whether it's you're watching stuff on uh, on, on a monitor, whether yeah. there's uh, things to just distract. Like I can even see, I'm like, oh, that's funny. They're playing <laughs> Jedi mind tricks on me. I'm distracted and I'm not even wanting to sit there You're and focus on the fact the that, oh, my feet hurt. Yes, yes. Um, I thought that that's just like yeah. a remarkable thing. And I'm like, man, dude, there's so many notes that we could take out of this sure. and apply just at a NASCAR venue. Yeah. yeah. 
So what are some of the experiences that fans can expect this year? I mean, we're, we're just in the throes of the well, beginning of the year. Let me let me mention something about okay, what yeah, Mike yeah, said. Yeah, um, yeah. So we, I've been to Disney as well, and it is amazing. And, um, you know, so we have to look at Disney for ideas and inspiration, but it's a very different business model mm-hmm. than what Speedways yes. do. Oh, of course. Um, because, yeah. you know, you're open every day. You get tomorrow to make up for something, uh-huh. right? If your fans, if you're, you and your family are at Disney, even if you had planned on like checking out tomorrow, like you can, they could add a night to your stay, no problem. They can, you know, give you free food for the next meal, things like that, that you can still take, take with you as value for that stay. We don't get tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So that's, right. a, that's a big, point. big difference. Wow. And, um, but I'll tell you another one that I love that's, that's in the Disney world, but it's um, uh, Pigeon Forge mm-hmm. and going to Dollywood. Dollywood is, have you guys been there? Yes. yes. Isn't it awesome? Yes. yes. I mean, I love what they do. I think it's so cool. Um, to me, it was like easier to enjoy than Disney because uh, it's just not quite as big. Our, our family's had a great time going there many times. And they just always exceed expectations. I, I'm really, really impressed with what they do. Um, they also don't have like the kind of the juggernaut of Disney behind them to help get that stuff done. They just kind of do it with really good thinking. Yeah. And um, I, I, I've always been impressed with that. I, I'm so glad you said this in a follow-up thought because that's not to suggest that Disney or any of these others are immune to critiques or bad experiences, even mistakes, yeah. all those things. But But the opportunities to make up for them they get way more of those. Yeah. They, mm-hmm. they get way more mulligans than, they, than uh, NASCAR tracks do, yeah. or NASCAR teams for that matter. Well, it's uh, a nice, it's just sort of this option that you have and how to handle things. They do a lot of great things. I mean, it's impressive. Um, but I always tell our team, like, hey, keep in mind, we don't get tomorrow. Everybody's gone. So yeah. it's got to be right this time. And that's, uh, I know it's pressure. But it just is, uh, it is the way it is. It is, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, you can't explain it any differently. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Nope. It's got to be great. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so this year, you know, um, the the coolest, biggest, most different thing we have going on is North Wilkesboro. And uh, we have been, you know, taking all sorts of care to keep the, the character and the history of the venue um, while delivering on you know, all the the necessities, uh, the core elements of, you know, plumbing and electricity <laughs> and uh, all those important things. Let's go ahead and dive into Wilkes. Yeah, I know. We, we were going to kind of save it, but no, let's no, do let, it. No, yeah. we need yeah. to, because that, yeah. okay. that, like, yeah. Kelly and I are both curious. We, we There's this guy named Dale Earnhardt Jr. that yes. actually t- brings up Wilkes for a good bit. And so... Uh, so we might as well educate ourselves on on the progress and all that is going into the May events. Okay, and I'm saying yeah. events. I don't yeah. want to just say All Star Race. Oh, it's everything. It's the whole week. All right, so it's gonna be exciting. You're not gonna tell me how much you're spending on it, <laughs> but give me an idea of how how much investment, whether it's in time, money, whatever, that is going into that week. Oh goodness, I mean it's it's tens of millions. And we will, oh my gosh, you know, um, we're spending a lot to make the traffic better, 
Um, and I got to say, here's the big thing for all the fans out there and for everybody who works and is going to Wilkesboro, buddy up. You don't have to be, you know, one or two people a car. You know, most cars have at least four seats. It will make a huge difference. And the reason I'm saying that is because the average car that comes to one of our events has two people in it. Mm. So if we just get four people, we'll cut traffic in half. Carpool, man. Please. Yeah, yeah. Please. We've got uh, shuttle bus opportunities, all those sorts of things. So um, it's going to be a big challenge, but we've brought in people from all over the country you know, traffic experts, the people, um, our, this guy named David Stetzer, uh, heads up our traffic management out of Las Vegas. And we handle 165,000 people a night there for this music festival we have called the Electric Daisy Carnival. David is the, uh, the point person on that does a phenomenal job. Um, you know, we can only fit 25,000 or so people at North Wilkesboro Speedway. So, uh, but it's no less challenge because, um, you know, there's there's not it's a compact as much infrastructure. Footprint. Yeah, it's absolutely. very compact. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we have less than 100 yeah. acres to work with. So I've been, um, you know, on Facebook just following along. Um, obviously, Terry Parsons, Benny's yes. uh, uh, wife, um, Benny Parsons' wife, and just I've fo- I've just been seeing all these different things pop up on Facebook, and so um, about parking, and you have some great. Um, people in the area that are team North Wiltsburg to bring this back to the economy, oh, yeah. to the people of North Wiltsburg. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, talking about the parking, what you just said, I read a whole thing on it. And he may have been a council member of something that he was kind of explaining because people were talking about, you know, it's got to be expensive to do this. It's going to be expensive to do that. And, um, and talking about the shuttle buses and just, and I'm, you know, I went there last year. I, I loved the feeling that I got when I drove up to North Wilkesboro last night. I cried. I cried tears last year <laughs> um, because I spent my time as a kid in that infield, um, yeah. you know, hanging on the wall, sitting in the back of a pickup truck. And, you know, just being there was very emotional for me. Um, mm. And so I want people to have that experience and then not about parking their car, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> and yes. um, because, you know, you, you, you're, you're creating such an opportunity um, and experience there for people. So um, my point is that it, 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 there's so much to take in to put that together, right? Yeah. And the people that you have to work with yeah. and the people that you are working with. And I mean, I've seen campground stuff pop up mm-hmm. and new um, businesses are popping up even as a result of oh, yeah. the the economy and the people that are going to be coming in and things That's like right. that. You know, Terry shares everything. I mean, she's yes. so pro North Wilkesboro, yes. you know. Follow so. Terry Parsons. Yeah, right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, because it, it's, it's, yeah, but but keeping that balance of that nostalgic we're coming back to yeah, and, absolutely. And, we and so all. that's what we're really focused on: keeping the history, keeping the nostalgia. You know, respecting the past and and having that that resto mod of a speedway. You know, I, I love resto mods. Uh, so it's what's that mean? That means it, an old car. Uh, I've got an old Bronco. Okay, yeah, yep. it's got a new engine, new transmission, it. but it still looks old. And so I love that I get to like you know keep the nostalgia. But um, so, but. Uh, at North Wilkesboro Speedway, we we want you to have that same feeling, and you know the feelings are important, right? I mm-hmm. mean, it's the it's this joy that that people in the community, people that love racing, are going to have, and seeing it reopened and having cup racing there. Um, we're going to extensive links 
to try to make a, a big positive impact on the traffic uh, in and out. And nobody's ever spent them this much time or money on traffic management for North Wilkesboro before. Um, it's just because we want to make an improvement, um, you know, from what it was previously and what it was just this past summer for the revival. Uh, I just feel like we've got, you know, we we wouldn't be doing it the way we do it if we didn't make an improvement. So uh, we've rented parking lots. We've brought in tons of shuttle buses and drivers. And, um, you know, so hopefully that's a big positive. Huge encouragement to people to come in early because we're going to have full days of experience, you know, Tuesday through Sunday, um, you know, camp, finds campsites. So I think we might have a couple extra campsites. I think I saw something yesterday just came on uh, for sale, but I'm sure there are people around that are still Mm -hmm. selling campsites. So I highly recommend that if you can do it. Yeah. So, okay, so let's talk though. Let's get let's get specific here. That sounds like a long term investment that you're making. Like it doesn't sound like you're just you wouldn't go spend tens of millions of dollars for one week. Is that fair to say? That's fair to say. Yeah. So so what is I guess what is the future for Wilkesboro? And I ask that also with a follow up. Mm-hmm. How do you once the honeymoon is over after mm-hmm. this big event in May? How do you sustain? the the lifespan of Wilkesboro and it doesn't end up suffering the same fate that it did before. Sure, yeah, great, great question. Um, well, I got to say a huge thanks to all the fans who and and drivers and all the people associated who have been so positive. Right, I mean we've had nothing but positive reviews so far. That's amazing. That <laughs> never happens. Um, you know, last last summer the the traffic was very congested. And people were so forgiving and so gracious, and how amazing is that? Um, yeah. I think there is an expectation that we'll improve it, so we're we're going after that to make it even better. Um, and then the follow-on, I think you know, I've, I've said all along, Dale and I have talked about you know this this should be a place that hosts other events. Yeah, it's um, you know other racing. I mean, I, I I think the Cars Tour ought to go there, you know, on a regular basis and. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I think it's probably something that that could be done. I think um, you know other racing can happen there, but car shows and Christmas light shows and all sorts of special events. We're in fact we're fielding calls, and we have been uh, for months about events that people want to host there when we're done with the All Star Race in May. So um, it's exciting and and. We, we have to continue to, to keep after it. You know, we'll have a manager there on a regular basis that's, that's um, you know, managing the property, managing the schedule, and, uh, you know, just working to make it um, as regular of a show place as it can be. That's the answer. That's the answer is find other uses, not just races, but other uses to where yeah. it has purpose all year round. And that's, that's what we do at well, our And that's what speedways. you've been doing. That's what I was going right. to say. Yeah. Talk about some of those opportunities. I mean, obviously, yeah. I'm familiar with the here at um, Charlotte. But yeah, talk about some of the things that yeah, you... Yeah, uh, I think, I mean, it would be a great place to go for a music event. Um, having um, a, a music festival of some sort, having uh, the, the Christmas light shows, maybe, you know, you we, we've got some experience of that at several of our speedways. Um I, I love you know car shows and other forms of racing, and we can we can do a lot there. I think. Yeah. yeah. Hey, do you sense that? I don't even know if this is the right question, but like it just occurred. Like, does this feel like a bit of an audition? Uh, uh, this May event, does it feel like a bit of an audition to see if NASCAR will commit to coming back 
routinely? Ah, uh, great question. I haven't thought about it that way. <laughs> I haven't thought about it that way, but um, you know, wouldn't that ultimately be what we're? Wouldn't that be the ultimate re, uh, response cool. or the uh, the, yeah. the ultimate outcome? Is is that NASCAR's like? I, this is where we would want to put a, put an event every year, whether it's the All Star Race or an actual points race, whatever. I mean, yeah. like, yeah, um, sure. Why not? I mean, <laughs> if it's successful, I think you would follow that. Um, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen because we haven't worked on yeah. the schedule for next year. But um, why not? You know, it's. Uh, I never thought we'd be here, frankly, <laughs> saying <laughs> right. we're going back. Even to talking North about North Speedway, right? isn't it amazing yeah. that we're even having this conversation? Yeah. Oh, man. Well, right. I was talking with. Um, <laughs> At least you've gotten rid of all the uh, social media comments of when you got to clean up North Wilkesboro. <laughs> right, look right. How, Look right. how bad it looks. Props to all those people for continuing to push. You know? <laughs> yeah, and I guess so. <laughs> when uh, when we were at Wilkesboro, we and we came back and talked about in in here, we talked about it a little bit, or maybe it was that day. And I remember you, Mike, saying, <laughs> um, "Well, I see now. Like, I know why you say it's not coming back because it looked That's like right. it was dead and gone. Like it wasn't well, coming back. Well, I didn't." When we went and weed eated the place mm-hmm. to get it laser scanned for iRacing, yeah. that felt like a win. That felt like right. that's how the Wilkesboro oh, story will continue. Right. And whoever knew that that was ever going to be possible. Like, that's an amazing thing. And iRacing was going to make that possible. All they needed was a little bit of cleanup. And so we go <laughs> yeah. clean it up. But then when we're there, I saw a garage that was collapsed yep. or half of it was collapsed. Yep. I saw, you know, the, the, the suites or the press box areas that one of them was down already. Like I said, yeah, now I see that, that this is the only way it can survive. Right. I should have qualified though. No, of course it could survive if the right amount of investment is put into it. Yeah. But at that time, I didn't think it was possible without just completely tearing everything Leveling. apart yeah. and then starting up and just building a new facility. Yeah. But you have managed to find the investment to do it and, and preserve it to where it is still the racetrack just upgraded. Well, it's it's really phenomenal, and it's a huge testament to, um, I got to say, a, a big thanks to the local officials and to the governor for their investment support with us to help make it happen. Um, you know, without that, we would not be able to to make this happen, and. Uh, and then a huge thanks to our team led by Steve Swift that, um, you know, when construction people, when, when my team says we can do it, I have full confidence <laughs> knowing that they can do it. And that's that's such a cool thing for me. Kelly, yeah. you know, the, Kelly and I were talking, and I'm just going to say, you know, when we were saying, I wonder if Marcus Smith ever turns off, right? Like, I wonder yeah. if he's ever not selling. <laughs> Even in his compliments, he's selling. still selling, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> so, here no, I am, like, aren't you no, no, no. glad no. you don't have to listen to those people? No. And you're like, thank God for those people. Yeah, I don't mean oh, yeah. selling in that that you've got a bill of goods and you're yeah. trying to get yeah. people to yeah. actually invest. I'm just saying. Looking at the good. Yeah, the, Looking, the better way yeah. of saying is that you're yeah. always on, even if you're just selling uh, satisfaction or time, selling yourself for your time or committing something. But, like, I always find intention and purpose. And I think it's natural, by the way. I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> insinuate that you are making an effort to do this when otherwise you wouldn't be. I just think that one of the key ingredients that you have in the business world is that you're always on. You're yeah. you, Listen, Steve LaTarte was in my office this morning. He was about to do our show and he goes, here, I know what you should ask Marcus. How does he manage his schedule? 
<laughs> and I'm like, that's a great question. How does yeah. Marcus find the time to not just be where he needs to be, but always be on? Hmm. Yeah. Wow. You don't yeah. have a bad day. Well, you never have. You, you, don't, you don't ever look out of sorts. You don't ever have a bad uh, hair day, Marcus. Yeah. What's the deal? I don't know. I guess I take those days off. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I want to play more golf. You know, I like to play more golf. I played 15 rounds last year. My goal is to play 20 rounds this year. Um, you know, try to. I, I definitely need to be purposeful about some more balance. Um, but uh, you know, when I when I get a weekend off like this weekend is not one of our events, so um, you know. My wife and I will do something fun, and and we'll you know be able to have have Try some hangout time. Right, yeah. yeah, it'll be unplugged, and um, I'll be wearing you know t-shirts and you know, jeans and just because you're the life. kind of person. I mean, you're working every day in the office at the Speedway. Well, you know, I'm, I, you know I, I have a great job. I just I love my job, yeah. and I, I love uh, the people I work with, and so the stuff I do is fun. Yeah, and um, but I do you know, gosh, my. Cassie and I, uh, we've been watching Dallas lately, and uh, she's way ahead of me. She's left me in the dust on watching all the uh, all, all the. She's series. not waiting around. She's not because no. it's addictive, you it know. Is. But it's and fun. because you can watch episode after episode after you can. episode you in can. one sitting. <laughs> but she, you know, so we'll just we'll watch uh, some Dallas together. We watch um, uh, uh, the Voice. You yeah, know, that's that's always fun to watch. So we we do that that kind of stuff, and we go out to dinner, and yeah. uh, but I try to have balance. That's really important, um, and I try to. Uh, but but I, I love my job naturally, so yeah. that's that's probably part of my secret. Yeah, at the racetrack at um, Millbridge, I was asked by some people that I see every week there, and and they said, you know, we want to come by and get one of your books. Um, how often are you there at the shop? And I'm like, I'm there every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every day, Monday through Friday, <laughs> eight thirty to five. You can pretty much find me here. You know, yep. I mean, I may be in a meeting or I may be offsite doing something, or there's sometimes that I'm traveling. But you know, it's a it's a misconception that mm-hmm. you know that that we're we're not oh, invested and no. in, in, in here every single day. Oh yeah. Um, talking about the um, select, talking about North Wilkesboro and your question in right. terms of uh, NASCAR and you know. Uh, is this a tryout, you know, to uh, to to see what things might look like in the future? I want to understand for myself a little bit and and, and for our listeners, um, you know, kind of that process with NASCAR track selection, moving events, you know, because that seems to be, you know, that can be a big topic, right? And, right. and change is not easy for people. Mm-hmm. Um, so talk about that process and what it looks like and what are the things that you're looking for when you have those discussions and you sure. move a race from one track to another, et cetera. Yeah. Um, you know, over the last few years where we've, we've seen more movement, um, lately it's intentional and um you know like the idea to go to coda was one of those things that it took a few years to finally get it done um but we're thinking about the markets and the, the you know possible changes and sometimes change somebody said one time and I, and I love this quote that uh nobody likes change but nobody likes things to stay stay the same either <laughs> and so <laughs> And my dad used to say, don't worry, we're going to change so much, you're bound to like something. <laughs> uh, that, that, was, that was always a good one. But I, um, I think that, you know, when, when we're looking along with NASCAR at the schedule and the market opportunities, 
you know, new things don't always present themselves, but you always have to be looking. You always have to be considering and, you know, huge props to NASCAR for the, the clash going to the LA Coliseum. What mm-hmm. a cool idea. Um, really, you know, excited about that when they first brought it up to us and I think it was such a unique way to start the season off. So, you know, that out of the box thinking, sort of putting the the pressure on ourselves to do something that's not normal, not conventional. Um, and that's the other thing that's kind of cool is that it's sort of going back to the way NASCAR used to run. Uh, the first time my dad ever promoted a race, he was 17 years old and he did a deal with the, the local um, fair board chairman who, uh, who leased him the the charlotte fairgrounds to host a a race and and that's kind of like what's happening at at the coliseum in la or what happened at coda we you don't have to necessarily build a track Mm -hmm. so um the the chicago street course i mean that's that's a big push it takes a lot of effort it's a big risk but it's a it's a pretty cool thing from a kind of a market differentiator and it delivers something new that you know, for us as fans, in in my thirty plus years of, of being in the business, new markets tend to be a good thing for the sport, mm. you know, and that's that's part of the growth of the sport and kind of injecting some some new uh, excitement into things because we don't know what's going to happen and we want to see. Yeah. How much are you looking forward to Chicago then? Like just to see what happens, the Chicago street course. Yeah. I'm on the edge of my seat. Right. I want to see what's going to happen. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. people talk about what they think is going to happen, but I don't know. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. But, um, but when you think about the challenges, does it does it even seem oh, to, yeah, uh, does it seem even overwhelming to you? Yeah. And, and oh, you've yeah. had some big challenges. It's a big challenge. There are other challenges that I would rather, you know, go, go down, but I, I think this one is, um, is a, big challenge it's a but it's a world renowned city i mean the chicago market is uh, i mean chicago is known throughout the world so uh, i think that's pretty interesting i think it's just like formula one wants to go to las vegas because las vegas is known throughout the world it's a world destination so it will be interesting to see how how it comes off um you know that area where the track is set up is where you know, big events happen in that city. So it, it should be it should be really cool. I, I'm, I'm anticipating some excitement and controversy and, <laughs> you know, good guys and bad guys yeah. and, and somebody's going to win. Yeah. I'm just sitting here thinking about my perspective as a fan and, and you're talking about um, the Coliseum because I, I personally, like, uh, fine idea, great idea, cool factor, the 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 fan engagement and the ages and all the things that I've not been to the event, so I'm only seeing this from TV. Um, you know, from my standpoint, not my cup of tea, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, not the experience I would want to have. Right. But what's wrong with it being an experience that someone wants mm-hmm. to have? Yeah. And yeah. providing that opportunity, mm-hmm. right? Because you know that's where I think sometimes we see the 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 backlash or the negativeness on this change that we're right. talking about, you know. But but what's wrong with having a schedule that provides the opportunity for someone to enjoy NASCAR at some point mm-hmm. during the year in their life, oh, right? Yeah. Whether it's whatever kinds of tracks you want, right? Yeah. Like well tens what, of thousands of a people different way to think are about out there. It. 
Yeah, like that's what I'm saying. What a different way to think about it. Oh, yeah. 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 They, like, I, I don't have to love it. That's, that's I, there's, kind of the, There's 10 other places I love to go and watch races. Absolutely. Right? That's kind of the way I felt about yeah. it. Um, I, I, I was not um, a big fan of it before yeah. it actually happened. I thought, oh, yeah. my gosh, you know, it's too short. Um, what a what a big difference. I mean, yeah. I, I was in, internally, I was thinking negatively about it. Then I got there and the light went off and I saw all these fans that are, you know, in the region that got to come yeah. live to their own hometown NASCAR event. And, and that's the way it is in Austin with Circuit of the Americas bringing NASCAR to that area. Um, it's a big deal. And I think that, um, you know, once I, I saw in the case of the clash, once I saw it unveiled and kind of come to life, it was very exciting. Uh, so I went back this year too, had another yeah. great time. And, um, and Austin, you know, I think is, is another great market and we'll see that happen. I think I, I'm, uh, like I said before, I'm on the edge of my seat for Chicago. See what happens. Yeah. All right. I got a hypothetical for you. Yep. Kelly Earnhardt Miller gives you a call. She says, Marcus, Dale Jr. says he wants to buy a racetrack. <laughs> not, not, I'm not talking about, you know, SMI level, you know, Charlotte Motor Speedway racetrack. Sure. I'm talking about local quarter mile uh, <laughs> dirt track, maybe even. But Kelly says, well, we bought it. Uh, and I just need three pieces. I, there's a lot of things that are going to factor into whether it's successful or not. But I need your top three <laughs> suggestions on what on. Kelly and Dale can do <laughs> to make sure that track is, has the best chance to succeed. What is your top three advice for Kelly? Oh, and my Dale? goodness. Wow. Loaded questions. Yeah. Loaded questions. Yeah. Um, what are the three areas that they got to focus on? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you have to have, um, you have to have events. You have to have the, you know, so you'd, you'd want to, in, in y'all's case, you'd want to have the cars tour there. You want to have events that people want to come to. Um, it's, uh, but it's tough, you know? <laughs> and I think, um, you know, you, you have to just have events that people want to come to. And it's, um, it's, and, and of course you got to watch your expenses. It's, mm. uh, it's what's, important. What's the process for, cause I'm thinking about one of the answers is like people, like, I mean, you got to yeah. be able, so what's, what, what's the process of, obviously there's lots of ways to talk to NASCAR fans, but what do you guys do specifically through Speedway Motorsports to, for the, for the new fan, for, sure. for someone to come that's never came to a racetrack yeah. to yeah. experience? Well, so how do you um, sell them on it? <laughs> sell people. Yeah, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Well, attract them. So the um, Humpy always used to say that the three T's of of uh, of Speedway operating the three T's: tickets, traffic, and toilets. Boom! <laughs> how true right. is that? Yeah. So these are like the the core. It's kind of things that you take for granted. But you got to make sure that the toilets work. You can sell the tickets and you handle the traffic. Mm -hmm. um, so imagine you're having a party in your backyard. Yeah. You know, same things I think about. It's the Where same. they're going to the toilet. Yeah. What's the traffic on my carpet going to look they, like? Where do they park? <laughs> where uh, they're parking. <laughs> right. How do you get the food there yeah, and all yeah. that stuff? So putting on a race, putting on a big event is just like having a really big event in your backyard. Good it's just a lot bigger. And um, you got to have people that, that care. Um, you want to, you, you know, when, if you have a speedway or any kind of venue, you want to operate it as much as possible. Mm. You know, but you have to have time to plan the event, have the event, and clean up after the event. So those are, 
how much time to, how much time to plan the event do you need bigger the event the more time you need like, um but like months, people say like how years. long does it take to plan a wedding i hear that takes like six yeah. eight eight months maybe um think about a big nascar event i mean the olympics um a golf tournament those things take i mean from anywhere from a year to to three years yeah and i think um when you have the benefit of hosting a big event year after year at the same place, you you do have the benefit of, you know, a common number of people that uh, that will come and help you, mm. and uh, on yeah. a temporary basis. You've got some core sponsors. You've got some some knowledge of the of the um, the venue itself. But when you go into a new place like NASCAR is doing with Chicago, and you're setting up there for the first time. And uh, you know nobody around there has done it before. You really have to pull from all sorts of different sources. You know the the local law enforcement. They sort of have done law enforcement, but now they're gonna have to do it with this new barrier system and traffic management and the EMS and communications. Um, all this stuff that it really throws a system you know for for a loop. When you when you bring so many people to one spot, yeah. what what should Kelly and Dale look for uh, look for in a <laughs> in a general manager? Uh, What's the quality of a general manager that's going to be the best? I think uh, you know somebody who's great with details, somebody who uh, who likes to uh, meet and greet people. Mm. You know, someone who's great with local officials. Um, well, that rules LW out. <laughs> <laughs> he can't be the general manager. He's no good with the officials. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you might have to do it, Mike. You have to have a, a third job. <laughs> that's fine. Well, that's good. Yeah. That tells oh, us a lot awesome. about your mentality on how you manage racetracks. You see, I mean, like that. I think that that's yeah. that's why I ask. I think it's fascinating. You do rely on people, but if you get more granular, I'm 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 curious on what kind of people you gravitate towards that you entrust. To run major operations, oh, man. major events. We got the greatest management team. I'm so thankful for them and proud of them for what they do. Uh, you know, dealing with our vendors, dealing with uh, you know governors and mayors and city and county uh, councils, um, and and you know helping to promote and put on events. It is a a huge job that. Um, it, it takes special people. So I really, really have the most amazing team and they do just such a phenomenal job. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I've, you know, I've been able to witness, um, Jessica who, um, is overseeing the North Wilkesboro right. project. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I don't know her official title these days, but, um, she's a chief experience officer yes. for Speedway Motorsports. Yes. And then she's also the, the director of the NASCAR all-star also race Weekend, at yeah. So I've yeah. seen that growth and that progress, like you're talking about with your people. Um, you know, I've witnessed that firsthand just in terms of, of that investment and all that they have. What is yeah. Jessica's last name? Fickinger. Yeah. That's who, I wasn't going to try to say it. Yes. <laughs> you said Fickinger? Yeah, Jessica it's long. Fickinger. I just call her Jessica okay. Fick. Jess Fick. <laughs> Jess yep. Fick. That's her. Yeah. yeah. That's she who started so as amazing. an intern. That's, exactly. Oh, wow. I mean, so is that amazing. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember the days of of calling her up and like scheduling help to get to Marcus or yeah. whatever it was. Schedule you know? meeting. Like, yeah, yeah, schedule meetings. Yeah. yeah, like 
That's, that's right. an amazing like, story. And she's oh, one of she's those people story. that is like done everything yeah. and will put herself in position to do anything. Maybe Jessica um, Fick is who yeah, we get later on down in the Business of Motorsports uh, uh, episodes. After she's, Wilkesboro, yeah. it'd be fantastic oh, to yeah. talk to her. Yeah. She's got yeah. great stories. Oh, my goodness. She's the queen of, of Wilkes County. I mean, she, she and Terry are uh, just a dynamic duo. And, you know, Jessica is doing it all. I'm really... Really uh, appreciate her. Yeah. So with um, on our on our discussion with Steve, we talked about a lot about the changing landscape of NASCAR and um, you know the the new the charter system and, and you know spend some time on the charter system and, and thinking through that and this new there's going to be a new re-up of the charter agreement with NASCAR and the teams this new TV contract which you know completely. Uh, affects uh, you guys and so I'm just curious kind of your take on the changing landscape you know what what do you foresee um, the relationship between tracks teams NASCAR um, you know the fans mm -hmm. because it, it takes us all and, and right. that collaboration of taking it all right you know, so. yeah yeah I think the biggest thing is that we have this kind of interwoven relationship with teams and drivers and speedways and nascar um and then you know you keep expanding it it's the the manufacturers and our sponsors and our broadcast partners very uh symbiotic relationship with the the sport and um so you know when you look at just the the teams and the the speedways and nascar um you know there have been sort of ups and downs over the years i think we're um, I feel like we're in a really great place and a growing position in the sport. Yeah. Um, we have been for the last few years, which is really good. Um, and you know, we, we don't have the big skirmishes around merchandising like we used to. <laughs> I would like to get back to that, frankly, because it means things are, are growing healthy. even right. more. Right. Right. Healthy. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, I think this year it's been, uh, it, has been, I think, a good year of growth. Um, I think more time spent with the various parties is really important and, and something that I would love to see, uh, you know, more of just uh, building trust, having FaceTime, helping to answer questions. Because uh, we're all, we literally all are in it together. And, you know, literally, one can't exist without the other. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Right. I think that's really <laughs> the secret of, of how NASCAR did it better than all the other professional sports leagues for COVID. You know, we, we all have this great balance of, of how things work. And we knew that we couldn't have a business if we didn't race. So, you know, when, when the world took a break in the middle of March in 2020, it didn't take us long to get up and start the, the virtual racing and then having, you know, races with, with no fans there. I mean, we figured out yeah. pretty quick how to get back on television how to get back in front of the fans and and make that happen so that the the wheels of this of, of this race car of a sport could start rolling again. Yeah, it kept spinning, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So okay, you you bring up Kelly. You say you know we can't do this uh, without each other. Boy, there's never been a more true statement. But a lot of times I hear you know just fun debates and arguments, <laughs> especially if they come from the driver's side, saying, "Well, they can't do it without the stars of the show." 
Agree. Well, but the stars of the show also can't do it unless they got a place to to, to show their talents, right? Well, and, and, and thought- nobody can do <laughs> yeah. it without income, and and yeah. that's where the. None of us could. Maybe the better question is, can you do it and have the same lifestyle that you want? Right, yeah. You know, well, the thought process that went through my head as I was saying that is that, yeah, we, we can exist without each other. And the argument would be made, well, we'll just go take, you know, one part of it to somewhere else. Well, you take one part of it to somewhere else. You still need those other things. You know, oh, if yeah. you're the driver and you're like, OK, I'm going to go do my own thing. Well, you need a track. You need a race car. You need a team. Mm-hmm. You need Kinda a need sanctioning all. body. Yeah. Or whatever it is, right? Right, right. Yeah, you can break them <laughs> yeah. all apart, and they can. They don't exist, exist by themselves, but they don't exist the same way <laughs> exactly. with the same luxuries yeah. and everything else that we ha- that we experience. Yeah. So, exactly. um, you know, I think I, that's why I say, you know, the time spent in front of of each other is such a valuable thing and an important thing because you know we all sort of it's easy to point a finger, and particularly when you don't have a relationship, you don't have familiarity and trust. You can point a finger, you can complain, um, you know, and you can easily say like, man, there's a problem, right? And just point out the problem, but you don't have a solution or you think you know a solution. It looks a lot easier than it really is. Nothing is as easy as you think it is. <laughs> Nothing, Nothing. Right? And uh, so I'm, I'm, uh, I've been around long enough to know what happens when, when you start with, uh, you know, a friendly fire uh, situation and we y'all remember when IndyCar decided oh. to kind of turn on themselves IndyCar was the preeminent Premier. form of motorsports in the United States and it was um, it was huge that's where Mario Andretti was that's where Emerson Fittipaldi was that's where you know all the AJ Foyt I mean it was the form of motorsports in America and everybody knew about IndyCar when I first started selling it, what I mentioned earlier, I had to explain to people what NASCAR was in the 90s. Like in the I, yeah. in the early 90s, I had to tell people, well, here's what NASCAR is. <laughs> we're yep. kind of like IndyCar, <laughs> but we're, we, we have full-size, full-bodied cars. I mean, that's where we were in the 90s. Mm. IndyCar was at the top, top, top of the, of the heap. So, and then they, they kind of turned on themselves because, you know, everybody thought that they had the better plan, that somebody wasn't treating them right, and you, know, you had this lack of trust and arguments. I know uh, Chip was in here. I mean, he, he knows all the stories. He was involved and, and knows it all too well. But that doesn't work well, and they're still recovering. They haven't recovered. They, they haven't ascended they haven't, back to where right. they were. Not They never did recover. Not even close. No, nope. Not even close. So. All those things happen. It's very destructive, and it's very difficult to rebuild. So the really the the, the great thing to do is learn from other people's mistakes. Mm. Um, you know, kind of have conversation, build trust. Um, you know, figure out a way forward. Then what can tracks do for drivers and race teams that can be improved? And then what can drivers and race teams do for tracks that can honestly all reach towards this same? goal of not just avoiding a very public divorce like the champ car IndyCar cart uh, situation happened mm-hmm. but thrive and make this sport absolutely healthy i mean the number one thing we can do is grow the popularity of the sport right i mean that's to, yes. to have more engagement with fans more fan avidity uh, you know, growing the sport so that more people want to be close to the sport, more people want to take in you know, media and information and merchandise. Yeah, they want to and, consume it in so many different ways. Absolutely, yep. and yep. it's so 
that really comes back to just the the full fan avidity and and engagement. Um, you know, more more FaceTime with fans. I think that um, there's an opportunity. Like a lot of people, I've heard, like kind of feel like, well, we're we're never going to get back to where we were. Why is that? What? Why did we ever get to where we were? Yeah. Why shouldn't we strive? Yeah. Absolutely. Why more? could we not get back to where we were? <laughs> yeah. Of course why not? we could get back to where yeah. we were. We can. And I mean, so, what were they doing back when the times were the best? When we hit our prime, what were they doing that uh, that contributed to that? Well, that's a great question because there's. I love to think about. You know what? What were the best of times, and what are the characteristics of the best of times? Right. And a lot of that is um, you know, building the the connection between the driver and the fans, mm-hmm. and it's it's that connection that creates what what I saw was a bigger than life persona from the drivers uh, to the fans, yeah. and just that, that that's how we got to be known as the most accessible you know sport in the world uh built the the most fan loyalty in the world and you know those are things you can never ever take for granted you can't stop building any of that stuff you can never stop building a business you can never stop building um anything because you know life doesn't stop yeah you gotta you gotta enjoy the the climb because it it never ends you just gotta keep pushing and keep working on um, the sport, which is part of the business and the fan connection. Uh, so when you look way back, I mean, there's everything from the, the glory days of when, uh, the King Richard Petty would sign autographs for hours and hours. Um, you know, Jeff Gordon and Dale Earnhardt and Daryl Waltrip and Rusty Wallace, they're all out there engaging with fans, sponsors. Um, you know, those are important things. I remember, you know, every um, every week, drivers would go and go to dealerships that were around a track, so that you know, and sign autographs, and and that's how you got your cars for the driver and team. To, oh yeah, to drive yeah. around, right? Yep. I mean, Chevy didn't just yeah. send cars to every track around the country. The local dealers. Oh, when this, I worked for oh, an agency, how the, yes, I did that. how the drivers got yes. their, their yes. get around cars yeah. for the weekend. Yeah. Right. So when I oh, worked for an brilliant. agency. Got to work for it. Yep. I yeah. called the dealerships <laughs> to set up yes. those cars yep. in the areas. And it was that's how you did it. There yep. you go. That's wow. Did Why did they get away from that? Yeah. That was so, that's such a brilliant idea. <laughs> Time, probably, for you a You got to go to the dealership to get your get around car for the weekend. I would love to see us get back to the... Also, the the race day stage, you know that that mm-hmm. uh, that the, Fox Sports yeah, used Kenny to Wallace, have speed yeah, stage. Yeah, yeah. At Bristol, we did it. We got Kenny Wallace out there, John Roberts, and and the fan connection. I mean, I've been trying to bring this back ever since it went away because we used to have Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday morning live on TV driver connection, uh, fan connection that that really just builds this this great relationship between our our drivers and the fans and the events um it's something that we need more of and i would love to see that happen at at every race yeah uh another millbridge story um fresh on my mind um uh this one particular night i was stopped by three different sets of race fans that were 
coming to experience the dirt race for the first time um, that night because they were in town visiting. Um, and so they had come to our shop, they came to RCR, whatnot. And, um, you know, they're always nervous to stop you. Um, and, you know, you're in, I'm in my element watching my son race and whatnot, you know, and that's the first thing they say, you know, are you Kelly? You know, I, I'm so nervous to talk to you, but I just want to tell you, you know, how much I appreciate you, how much I appreciate your family or the shop. We had an amazing experience. Um, you, you cannot take those connections for granted. I oh, could yeah. easily walk by, not make contact with people. I walk by every single person. I say, hello. I don't care who you are. I don't That's care awesome. where I am. Yeah. You know, people think I'm crazy. There's half of them don't talk back. <laughs> um, but you cannot, not make those connections. And and they'll say to me, I can't believe you're standing here talking to me. Hmm. I can't believe I got this opportunity to talk to you. And I'm thinking to myself, why wouldn't I make myself available mm. for that? You're, yeah. you're, you are the, the reason that we are all here. You yep. know, the reason that we exist, you, you keep talking about connections. It, that just is resonating with me. I'm thinking about the things in my life of where that's so impactful. You well, know? and think about how many people are those people telling? Yeah. You know, yes. it's not a yes. one-time impact. Yes. So yes. I, no. I, I tell people that, you know, you got impressions, right? In advertising, you get an impression if you see a logo. Well, when when you see, when, when a fan can see your eyeballs, mm-hmm. that's like a platinum level impression and it gets passed along a thousand times. Mm-hmm. So that one impact, they're going to tell a thousand other people. Yeah, multiplies. That's the opportunity, I think, that... You know, every time you or Dale or Mike or drivers will make that connection, uh, you know, take a selfie, sign an autograph, it gets passed along at least a thousand times. Yeah. And that's the impression that people always say, boy, I got to meet Kelly. She's yeah. such a nice person. Yeah. I mean, that's what a great thing that is. Yeah. 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 Well, let's just let's just uh, address the elephant in the room then, because there's a you have a dilemma with this. And that is you're, you're trying to operate three major factions, all of which need each other, tracks, uh, ra- uh, race teams and drivers, which I consider one, and then NASCAR, the entity. Um, you're trying to all operate together with one unified goal. But then when, listen, we open up a sports business journal and we always see is that there's, you know, negotiations over TV media rights deals and the teams want more of a slice. And by the way, Marcus, not sure if you noticed, they start going right at the racetracks about <laughs> what, what your cut is. Right. And, yep. and oh, by the way, hate to say it, NASCAR, but I know you only get 10% on paper, but we also know you own 12 racetracks. So like there's, there's a lot of things. And, and so it's like, how, I do want your opinion. I don't get a whole lot of opportunities to ask track presidents or track uh, operators to advocate for yourselves in that discussion. I have Denny Hamlin on a podcast. I get to hear the race team and race owner's side of it all the time. And I appreciate that perspective from, Mm -hmm. listen, race teams are going to need more money because the business model is a difficult business model. I don't think anybody would dispute that. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not easy to chase this passion of racing, right? And make right. it your, your, your business and your life. What is the track perspective on the TV revenue, which is being negotiated now, which would take effect in 2025? So the current TV deal, media rights deal, expires after next year. So these negotiations going on now, we know the RTA needs more 
says they need more out of that slice, needs more of that revenue. The tracks get what I've seen, 65%. Advocate for yourself. Why, does sure. you, why do you need 65%? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think you have a great point that, that you haven't heard, um, I don't think, NASCAR or, or us, Speedway owners and operators, um, advocate for ourselves in the media um, like the teams have. And, you know, so I, I would... I would love to have discussions, uh, you know, with with team owners and and get specific on those things. Um, I think what what I would say is that it's not always what it seems, um, mm-hmm. you know. And so, I, and I'll tell you a little bit about the track ownership business. If you, if you, uh, in fact, I think I was talking to you, Mike. I know I was talking to Dale about the Cars Tour and how a Speedway makes money. And uh, if you take out the television, you know, the way that an event is operated, you have revenue from tickets, uh, you have revenue from uh, concessions, and sometimes, not usually, sometimes you might charge for parking, but typically, you know, that's admissions and, 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 uh, so, and a little bit on souvenirs and, and then concessions, and then back gate, meaning, you know, people that come in the back gate. And uh, those, those those are the competitors and friends like of the competitors. Passes, right? Your exactly. pit passes, okay, yeah. Um, and then you put TV on top of that. You put sponsorship on top of that. Well, the 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 venue needs to be able to pay the bills with with the business operating that that happens there. And um, NASCAR, you know. Over the years, it used to be a portion of the purse was paid into uh, by the track from tickets, and a portion was paid for sanctioned fees, and um, and then we added the television on top of that. Um, there, there are all those elements that kind of don't get spelled out or broken out, and so it's it's not really sixty-five, twenty-five, ten. Um, and I don't want to get into the details um, because I'd rather do that, you know. Yeah, face to face with the people that matter. Yeah, yeah. In, in a yeah. in a good business yeah. discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but I think the the short of it is, um, it's not, it it's not uh, that we're so far apart. I think we've got challenges, we've got opportunities, tremendous opportunities, and uh, you know the sport has worked. It's not that it's always been easy, but it's worked for a long time with a business model that has proven to be, um, you know, very sustainable over mm-hmm. the years. And you guys know, think about all mm-hmm. the people that have come into the sport as team owners, and they're not here anymore. Mm-hmm. Some are still here, some aren't. Um, people would always say the best way to make a million dollars, you know, w- with a race team is to start with ten million. <laughs> <laughs> now they might say the best way to make you know a million is start with a hundred million. I I don't know, yeah. but it's um there's a it's never it has never been easy and um but I think you know the opportunity is there and we got to work together to grow it to build value, build sponsorship value that builds sponsorship revenue, um, grow the the gate, grow the fan base. That's good for all of us, and um, you know the more. The more fans we we grow in this sport, the the better it is for everybody. And I think the more fun it is for our fans as well. 
from what you know, how optimistic are you? I'll, I'll keep it broad like that yeah. on, on that this thing is going to get sorted out and everybody's going to be working on the same beat. Yeah, I, I'm 100% optimistic. Um, you know, I, I'm an optimistic person. I think we have smart people in the sport, um, smart stakeholders and longtime friends. We'll get it worked out. I think we, you know, it, it's really something we just need to get together and be purposeful and and um, and have those those good discussions to get things worked out. Yeah, I'm writing down so connection. It's my big word from this this and education. I mean that you know those discussions, educating people, not just in this situation. I'm just saying in general, right? There's so much lack of knowledge of knowing how things work and why decisions are made. I'm just I wrote down <laughs> the cars tour. I'm learning a lot right now about oh, I bet about sure. how it works yeah. and and how our series goes into the racetracks and how we share revenue and what things look like and and I'm learning so much from Jack on that um I haven't ever had to think about it and I've never wanted to think about it right sure. I never yeah. you know, so it's just that education and, and yeah. all the moving parts you know and I'm learning the lingo back gate and right. front gate and yeah. <laughs> I'm like yeah. I could tell that you weren't sure where that was I going. wasn't sure but <laughs> yeah. he went and explained it, it. it's yeah. like I'm like right. yeah of course yeah. that makes sense yeah. Yeah. yeah and um so yeah you know I think um uh you know asking questions and and educating ourselves on you know each part of the puzzle, no matter what we're looking at, you know, mm-hmm. it's just so important. Yeah, you know? yeah. I learned a, a, a big lesson when I was watching my son Graham drive uh, Bandoleros a few years back. Um, I learned, so at summer shootout at Charlotte Motor Speedway, where, you know, that's a great place to learn about promoting and operating a, an event because we run 10 Tuesday nights, Monday night practice, Tuesday night racing, and there's a big focus on the schedule um, on things like bus races and, uh, you know, mascot races and the pizza and the Coke and, uh, the fireworks, but you got to have, you know, a cadence and you got to be on the clock. That's from a promoter's perspective. Mm. When I was dad watching my (laughs) little boy drive the Bandolero, I didn't care about any of that stuff. I didn't care what time it was. All I needed to know was, you know, when is his next heat? Where does he need to be, mm-hmm. you know, and how's he running? That was a total, like, tunnel vision for me. And I had this awakening, you know, that, wow, I kind of understand why if, if you're a, associated with a race car, you don't, you don't get out and see any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you, don't, you, yeah. don't, you don't understand the weight for the bus. And you don't need to. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. your job, yeah. you know, like, you're there to win a yeah. race. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh you know, it's a lot more fun when you're winning. Uh, yeah. But um, yeah, it's interesting. And we were done with uh, with shootout night. We go to, you know, cook out and get a, a burger and and uh, drive home. We'd smell like gas and oil and tires, and <laughs> that was uh, that was a great night. <laughs> I'm I'm in the throes of that right yeah, now. <laughs> yeah. In the you summertime, I'm so familiar. much happier smelling like gasoline and oil than I am smelling like chlorine. I'm glad yeah. my kids didn't swim. <laughs> And your your son actually runs the um, U.S. Legend Card. Yeah, U.S. Legend Card. So he's right. Yeah, he's working over there in business development. Graham. Yeah, Graham. Graham sales and uh, and you know kind of working on the business with the guys over there. And we, it's so cool to see what's happening in in the Legends Car business. We we ship forty five percent of all of our cars around the world. So out of the U.S., Um, people love Legends and Bandoleros and. 
we just need to, you know, we're, we're trying to get caught up on all the parts uh, delay from, uh, you know, just the, the sh- supply chain shortage. And I, I think we're, oh, we're yeah. close, but we're yeah. still working on it. Yeah. Before we move on p- past all this, because I think that uh, I, I'm really kind of like informed by all of the Dale Jr. opinions that happen on the download every week. You know, Great and one, one of the yeah. ones that always comes up, Marcus, you know this, is Dale Jr. is an expert on track repaves. <laughs> he is. He knows when they're supposed to repave, when they're not repaved. Anything about repavements, you ask Dale Jr., he'll tell you about repaves. Yep. And the thing he loves about Wilkesboro is that it was not repaved. That's right. It was going to be repaved, or is going to. I think at one point, like it was it's his idea, thinking, right? Yeah. But then when that late model race happened last year, and mm-hmm. I think the decision was like, "Hey, this track being worn out and old is actually the best racing product." Okay, I love it. So yeah. I got to ask you this question: You're here. How much does it cost to repave a track? And what? Yeah. And, and and what are the size? There's an obvious answer to all, what are the signs? Well, if it starts to crack, but come on, there's got to be a more uh, a, a, a lifespan approach. Sure. Like, what is the lifespan of a repave, <laughs> and what are the implications of all these things, and what are you looking yeah. for? Because this, according to Dale, is a very important thing it on is. the racing product. It is. Uh, it's really fascinating. Um, so, years ago, the the interest in a in a repaving of a track or just paving the track the the goal was to get it to last for as long as possible because it's expensive it's millions of dollars so you know we we paved charlotte motor speedway with this um synthetic based asphalt i think it was called rossfalt and um and it was the first track to be paved with this synthetic binder and uh you know it turned out to be like a great investment if you want your track to to be there as long as possible. Um, Because previously, the regular asphalt, you know, the sun shines down and Charlotte shines on uh, turns three and four, and it actually starts to move down the hill. And, you know, that might produce character in the track, but then it also starts to degrade, and we know that's going to cost us more because we got to repave again. So... But fast forward to today, the way that we started thinking about repaves is really more focused on the quality of the racing because I felt like we don't have time. We don't have five or six races to wait for the racing to be good again because, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's infamous how, how terrible the racing is at a racetrack after, you know, the With first, yeah. yeah, the first four or five races, it's always really challenging for a follow the leader kind of a race. So we, we re-looked at how we pave and we, we totally threw out the book on, you know, all asphalt paving, concrete paving, because all that technology is going towards streets and parking lots and we're paving a racetrack. Mm-hmm. So we need to think about, you know, what is, what does it look like to pave a racetrack so that it can be more racy, more um, uh, act more like an old track? And and that's where we started to use different um, different recipes for for what goes into the track itself. Uh, how do you know it needs to be um, repaved? Well, after Atlanta, what we learned is we can use glue, basically it's sealer, and go in there and just literally go in every crack and crevice and and glue it and get it back together 
and you know let it sit for a while and it will hold up for another race longer than you think it would longer than anybody would ever go and try that but because it it produces more interesting racing uh more competitive racing mm-hmm. that's that's what we chose to do so um you know at some point Wilkesboro we need to be repaved if it gets you know some big chunks come out or you know the under uh under the top surface becomes less stable, things like that, then you really got to go in. And and the cost comes in with how much dirt work, how much work in the base do you, are you going to have? And some people will just go in and do a top dressing. That's cheapest. Uh, It's also the, the least lasting. Some people will go in and take it all out, reprofile it, repipe it. You want to put in a lot of pipe and drain to get the water out, Mm -hmm. weepers. Weepers happen when you don't have enough drainage. <laughs> yeah. So in order to really repave a track properly, you got to take it all out, get down to the dirt, make sure you get the all the pipes in there, all the drains, and uh, then you know your base layer rocks and mm. all the details that... Um, That's a lot of smart people. Whew. It is, it is. <laughs> and you have to get the right equipment, you know, because you can't pave... Whew on a bank with yeah. just any any equipment. Yeah. So it's a it's a specialized practice. Wow. Yeah. See, you're More gonna have to I think thought. about that. You're gonna have to think about this when you own your track. <laughs> you yeah. might, yeah. You know, I tell people that when you <laughs> like if you have a golf course, you can add a um, you know a par three without a lot of incremental cost because you already have all the equipment, the knowledge mm-hmm. and the people. But if you and if you own a racetrack, you know, you can add we're we're working on a second track. Um at one of our properties and we can add another track and have have that done pretty good because we have a lot of expertise and a lot of mm-hmm. equipment but when you start with one track and and you gotta care for it and take care of it, it it's a um they they take a lot of money yeah take a lot of time speaking of adding tracks yeah did he leave news just now did he break news no 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 well, i think you mean like maybe something at one of your speedways like you yeah, know, testing, yeah, yeah testing testing okay. yeah. yeah you know how charlotte has the dirt track and they I got the you. little track out back the yep. little yeah so. you know marcus is notorious for dropping yeah. a marcus bomb as yeah. we call him so, on this show so yeah so um, when i was talking to l dub about being on here together he's like you need to he needs to build a dirt track for all these competitors that are showing up at Millbridge to for race. The like we need yeah. no for our our micros, micros and yes. our yes. yeah our micros and our outlaw carts and everything because I mean last a uh, uh, few weeks ago um, forty four non wing micros wow. in, at at one of the events wow um, and then eighteen wing class so you're talking about sixty some cars no just right there. How often would y'all divisions. race if we built a, yeah. a dirt track for so you? So something we need to talk about. Well, they they race 20 times. Uh, gosh. Oh, they probably race, I'm going to say, 35 times a year. Really? Because we Holy run cow. every other week yeah. during the week, and then we run Saturday events. So And, and there's how a tr- big of a track is that? I think we're at eighth mile. Eighth is mile. Is eighth bigger than a fifth? No. Uh, okay, fifth eighth. bigger. Eighth mile. Eighth is bigger than a fifth? Yeah. Then it's, no, no. Eighth eighth is smaller. It's yeah. eighth. Okay. Yeah. It's eighth then. Okay. I always want to say a fifth or an eighth, but it's an yeah. eighth. <laughs> okay. But no, seriously, like it's something to think about. Yeah. Like, you know, a uh, lot of NASCAR competitors out there, a lot of mm-hmm. racing people, period. Modified racers okay. have their kids out there. Jonathan Davenport's kids been running out there. Like nice. there's just um, uh, Lance DeWeese's kids been running out there. Like yeah. there's um, there's a lot of opportunities. So it's and just, it's all it's, dirt. 
All dirt. All dirt. All dirt. Something we need to look into that. You can yeah. put a little little thing in the middle of the big dirt track. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, listen, I know this is going to be an ignorant question, but somebody out there is going to be uh, wanting to know it. And so yeah. I'm asking it, is it like, why would the dirt track, is that just too big? That it's too big of a dirt track that oh, Marcus yeah, already for has? Oh, yeah, the types of cars. For the types yeah. of cars yeah, you're yeah. talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. May or may not. I don't know. I mean, some of the places that I've seen the legend cars running, you know, they're yeah. running some bigger, big places, right? So, yeah, I, yeah. may, may not. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I yeah. think there's something we, we could look into there. Yeah. I'll, yeah. Um, it's food for thought for sure. Yeah. I'll look into it. <laughs> I've actually had many people um, mention that to yeah. me, yeah. and I, I do think that it would be really interesting. Yeah. And we love being a, you know, Charlotte Motor Speedway is a special place because it's right in in the the Thick middle of everything, yeah, yeah, yeah of, of right. Everything yeah. NASCAR, yeah. so you don't got to go down into Charlotte. Yeah. You're still, yeah, yeah. I, I want to revive know, our g- karting track too. I think, yeah. That's what, be a lot the, now, which one do you mean? Like, because the you, there's a bunch of tracks actually. When I think about Charlotte Motor Speedway, because mm-hmm. and you've got the one in the infield there, but you've also mm-hmm. got the Roval. You also got the one in the back stretch, back right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Is that the one you're back. talking about just now? Or you no, said the karting track. Well, so the, the karting track the is in the infield. Okay. And okay. It's uh, we we've recently renovated it back to its original form, and it's it's really phenomenal. It's a world class karting course. Okay. Um. So I I think you know I've had a lot of people say, boy, I wish you you could open that up for people to to drive on more, which would be fun. Um. But I've and I've had a lot of people ask about um you know something for the micros yeah. and um and the quarter midgets. So yeah. Yeah, I'll uh, look into that. What is that track considered on the backstretch that's outside the tunnel? We always call that our fifth mile, uh, just because it's the fifth mile. Um, but it's it's got some challenges. It's on uh, it's on landfill property, oh. and so it keeps moving. Um, yeah, yeah. It's and a that's a problem. Why? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> seems like there's something for the drivers to have to contend with. It used to track. be my favorite track for a legend car because it had just just the right amount of banking. It's really fun. But you know, turns turns uh, one and two are now like ten feet below where they ought to be. It's, uh, it's kind of a pain. You know, I was yeah. kicked out of that track. You, you were? Nobody knows uh. this except my wife. <laughs> when I first moved to Charlotte, I I was going to. This was two thousand. Okay, are you sure you want to tell the story? You yeah, just said nobody mind. knows this listen, but your wife. <laughs> well, listen, if you're gonna tell it, tell it with uh, Marcus here. It's just fun. It's uh, I I'd never been in racing. I'd never been on an f- airplane. I'd never done anything. I get moved to Charlotte, and I'm off to Daytona the next day, which I've never been there. I'm gonna speed weeks has already started. I have one night. My my apartment that I just moved into is just down the road from the speedway. I am now in NASCAR heaven, right? Like I'm now in the in the sport, right? And I go over and I'm driving by Charlotte Motor Speedway, which I had been there as a fan just the year before at, at the All Star race, the one where. They dropped the green flag and they all and it started raining and they uh, all went into the turn and yes. they started wrecking. Oh man! And then they get they the allowed them to cars. come out the back of course. So yes. I was there as a fan. I was just graduating college, night. right? Yeah. So now, just a few months later, I'm in. I'm about to start my career in the sport, and I said, "There's no gate that's keeping <laughs> me out of that little track back there. I'm going to take my little <laughs> Nissan. Oh my god! And I'm going to I'm going to go lay down a quick lap." I didn't know that there was a security guard in that gate oh, uh, or in that little hut. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. came That's out awesome. fast. But I, I, I'd like to think like I. So did you get a half a lap or what'd you get? <laughs> I, 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 got, I got a couple laps and I I'd bet. like to feel like I still own the pole uh, right there. <laughs> I, I, I need somebody to have an That's official funny. thing. At least oh my uh, gosh. Uh, in, in a pass it for. 
car sedan, I have to have the quickest I bet you track do. record. Right, right. <laughs> we need to put a plaque up for you. I yeah. mean, I don't know, naming yeah. rights to the track at for some sure. point if you need yeah. it. That's awesome. I've oh. heard so many stories about people doing stupid. That, that's not the dumbest thing, so I'm Thank not even going to put that in stupid category. <laughs> but there are some really you know, stupid stories that people have done when they snuck into a track. And I mean, mm. it, so it's, uh, I'm always really careful, even... When I when I pull off, I don't even get on pit road without looking four or five times because you just never know if somebody's going to be flying down pit road. Right, and it could be, you know, in a in the painting van. It could be somebody giving pace car rides. I mean, who knows? So I always check, and <laughs> it's uh, just because there there are you know people go full speed running at a racetrack. Yeah. yeah, that was pretty dumb. I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, wasn't that bad? You didn't get caught. It was that, at night. That yeah, that's not that. They didn't bad. throw you in jail. Yeah. No, I don't know. Do you have a Sounds Charlotte really Motor Speedway jail that we don't know about? <laughs> like, we I'm, do. We do. We also have the tubes underneath the track that move all the money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's where you should have sent me. That's right. Send me that's to right. the jail so I can kind of break through like Shawshank Redemption and find the <laughs> find the safe. Yes. <laughs> all right. Awesome. We, we, we derailed there. Uh, we need to get back on track here. What, what, is, uh, what else do we have with yeah. Marcus we want to ask about? Well, I mean, I, you know, I was just really thinking about, you. we've talked about North Wilkesburg, got such great stuff happening there. Uh, your Bristol event over Easter weekend. You've got the Trucks on Dirt, Cup on Dirt. Got some great concerts mm-hmm. there. Oh, yeah. Got some great concerts happening for North Wilkesburg, too, if I'm not mistaken. We do. Um, the rest of the year, what's, what's you know, what, yeah. what else is there to look forward to? Um, let's see. Coke 600, um, I'll predict we're going to sell an amazing, out. Yeah, oh, weekend. Always an amazing Oh, sellout prediction. I am, yeah. I'm predicting a sellout. We're, we're thankfully, thank you to all the fans out there that are coming to the Coke 600 again. It's, um, it's going to be awesome. Can't wait. Um, so if you don't have tickets yet, please, um, get them. please get them. You know, they're going to be out very soon. Um, based on all of our, our na- numbers, um, and I would say, like to all the fans out there, bring friends to the track. You know, I think it's it's way more fun when when you when you bring friends, bring a new friend, bring a new fan to the track. I think that's um, just really you know part of being a being a NASCAR fan. You know, mm-hmm. we want to pass it on. Uh, help. There's no experience like the in person experience. There really there just isn't. isn't. Yeah, there really isn't. I've got you know hockey friends that have taken me to hockey matches. Mm-hmm. And Same. Yeah, yep. it's like I I, I never would have thought. It, it would be fun, but I never have yeah. been to a hockey game until maybe within the year of COVID. Um, whenever they got started back, and I went to um, is it the Hurricanes in mm-hmm. Raleigh? Yeah, had a ball, awesome. and I, I never cared about hockey. Yeah, yeah, never cared about it. Yeah, it was so fun. Yep. Um, so you know, the rest of the year ahead, I think we've got great things to look forward to. I'm really looking forward to seeing how the championship plays out. I can't believe we're. All, I mean, I feel like. We're almost to the halfway point, <laughs> even though like we just started, started. But I feel like it's right down the. Won't the take street. us long. Um, but we'll be we'll be working on next year's schedule. We've got to look forward to, uh, you know, the Chicago Street Race. Yeah. I think um, there's a lot going on that we've got um, to to work on, and we'll be. Um, yeah, I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about between now and then. But a lot of good stuff. Awesome stuff. Good yeah. good stuff. Oh, give our best to Cassie, please. The, uh, the Graham, the whole family. All right. We we. Uh, what about Butterbean, our little dog? The doggies. Oh yes. yeah. <laughs> well, that yeah, that was understood. Three I little that, doggies. Yeah, yeah, right? right. Three. Butterbean, Peaches, and June. Yes. We, we have three dogs, and uh, yeah, our daughter has a dog, and <laughs> yeah, they're it's a great it's a great 
furry family. Furry, we have non-shedders, which yes. I love. I mean, it's great. Oh, dude. yeah. That's game changer. I have a right golden there. retriever, the number one shre- shedder, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yes. However, the best, the best behaved dog, dog oh, yeah. in oh the gosh. history of dogs. Oh, yeah. I, I find me another dog that oh, yeah. does better than Zeus. What, so what's your golden's name? Uh, Zeus. Zeus. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, I had one named yeah. Buddy growing oh. up. And Buddy. So Zeus and Buddy were brothers um, and lived in the same home, and we rescued <laughs> Zeus because they ended up needing to just have one dog. So oh, wow. Buddy was his brother. Yeah. Um, okay, so leave us with this. Uh, what's the craziest thing that Cassie's had you do recently? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love this. <laughs> what a great question. Oh, man. Um, you know, she'll, she'll ask me to... Um, <laughs> I mean, you can take pictures, <laughs> you know, and you can follow her on, on Twitter, yes, Instagram, yes. see pictures. Um, yes. Usually she'll want me to like come into one of her videos and um, I stop fighting it. Yeah, you have to. You have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't think of a crazy thing lately, but okay. uh, but she, she's I honestly to... haven't seen her as much like, you know, with the microphones and the singing, and, yeah. which I knew I knew that um, you know, she was she's <laughs> she was recovering from something. The roller yeah. skates, yeah. the you know lately she's been on roller the, skates. She has, okay. Yeah. Well, I haven't I don't know that I've seen them you know, and and the way that our algorithms do on social, oh, I could right. just be missing yeah. them. Right. Yeah. Well I tell you this. She is just amazing. You know, she Marcus is. cracked me up the other day because Dale Jr. came into the to the podcast and he sort of unloaded all his frustrations about uh, um, his dealings with Isla that morning. Yeah, she yeah. she was uh, throwing a tantrum. Marcus is texting both of us, just loving it. Oh yeah, he's just loving oh, it. Oh yeah, I love it. <laughs> Isn't it funny? Because and you you tell him too. I mean, both y'all are like, yeah, that's parenting. I mean. Yep. It's great. It's oh, yeah. great. You gotta, you gotta own those flawed moments, man. You gotta own them, right? This, oh, everybody's yeah. dealing with it. What I love about it from my perspective is because we didn't have kids at the same time. So, you know, I've raised mine, witnessed, been there, done that. He was the one standing over there going, I can't believe you didn't yeah. spank them. I can't believe you didn't do this. I can't believe you didn't do that. And now I get to watch, oh, you know, and yeah. listen. And he's like, I'm sorry I said all those things. And I just get to see, yeah. like, I think if we would have had kids at the same time, We'd have both been learning and not knowing what sure. to say, do, or think, right? Oh, yeah. So it's so fun to watch yeah. from my perspective now. <laughs> it is fun. It is fun. I mean, I, you got to admit, like, I think I kind of forgot what yeah. it's like to oh, have yeah. little kids. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm trying to remind myself that, you know, yeah, that, my goodness. I mean, there are some years where you're just treading water. Yeah. You know, and oh, like, yeah. I I used to always go to the fast food restaurants to get chicken nuggets, and, and now I never do. Yeah. But, I mean, you, we used to... Like plan the day. You mm-hmm. gotta go get lunch or go get dinner and all everything that stuff. revolved around your kids doing you know, planning School. all day long logistics. Yeah, uh, yeah. listen, D- Dale Jr. and Bill Lester so were funny. in my office just yesterday, and I said, "Guys, I gotta go. I got a soccer game that I've I've got to be at, and I'm I'm the team dad, and I gotta. There you they're, go. they're, they're not gonna <laughs> get, get fed there. unless I bring <laughs> the go. sandwiches. It is yes. like I gotta go. Bye. <laughs> yes, those are good oh, times. It is yeah. good stuff. Yeah, good times. Way good stuff. Well. Thank you, Marcus. Appreciate y'all having me. Absolutely. Yeah. Appreciate you being here. Enjoy talking with y'all. It was fun. Yep. Thank you so much. Close us down. Oh, God. However you want to do it. How did I close this down? You want me to close this down? Yeah, you close this down today. Well, thank you, everybody. Again, this is the only Dale Jr. Download episode this week. So... Marcus, we're relying on you, buddy. Wow. All of our analytics, <laughs> all everything is is it's on you. Everything rests oh my right goodness. here. And then um and uh maybe afterwards we'll have a listening tour. 
All right. Uh, That'd be great. That'd be great. Listen, (laughs) and all the fans out there, we love you, appreciate you, and look forward to seeing you at a race sometime soon. All right. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Man, I'm really excited to have Ally help us bring the guest segment every week. It's one of my favorite parts of the download. We get to talk to so many different people in racing, outside of racing. But everybody that comes in here, I want them to have had a good time. I want them to want to come back. I want them to feel like an ally to Dirty Mo Media. Thank you, Ally, for your continued support of the download and the entire Dirty Mo Media team. Check out Dirty Mo Media. Check out Dirty Mo Media. Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram. 